Here we go, part two in this two-part episode with the legendary Mark Mahaney. If you have yet to listen to part one, you know what to do. <laughs> so in this episode, we pick up where we left off talking with Mark about the implications of cloud providers layering in AI tools the power of Google's Bard and OpenAI's ChatGPT. It's no accident that the name of the tool, ChatGPT, has the word chat in it, because one clear use case for AI is making chatbots far better. And you and I both have the same instincts about chatbots. Chatbots, everybody wants chatbot if you're, if you're the service provider. Most of us who use chatbots hate them because they don't actually work that well. If you have a really obvious question that's really easy, the chatbot will say, oh yeah, page 20, go to this part. They'll give you the URL for the answer to the question you want at their website. I want the chatbot to be actually useful. So I ask it a question. It's context specific, like AI would be, and helps me. And it's actually faster than talking to a person. And, and I don't mean this in an anti, uh, uh, anti way, faster to talk to the person who has an accent that you don't understand because a lot of the service providers are overseas with thick accents. We all had that experience. I used to have a thick Canadian accent. It's gone. <laughs> but anyway. I, I, sometimes I don't understand you, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a basketball accent. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but I think, I think the question's been answered uh, because that's the, that's the catalyst. When Google announced that they're doing AI real time. And if I understand what they announced, um, it, it, that's, it's not, it's a, it's a very different tool. When you make a tool, it makes it easy for me to write a sonnet or write a, a paper because it gives me an outline, which is sort of what chat GPT is pretty good at. Uh, that's useful. That's a, that's an application specific tool. It's an app. It's a very powerful app, but it's, using it for search is lousy. People have tried to use chat GPT for search, uh, are disappointed because it's not going in real time. It can't, you can't say to chat GPT, you know, go tell me how, how NVIDIA is trading right now. Cause it's not, it's, that's not what it's doing. It's not doing search. You can ask it to describe what NVIDIA is and what, what uh, graphics processors units are. And give me a 10 point summary of what's important in GPUs. It'll do a pretty cool job on that. So I'm, I wonder you know, your your other underappreciated stock, and I don't mean this to give specific stock picking advice, but in terms of the where the architecture of the world is going, I agree with you on Amazon. I'm an Amazon bull, have been for a long time, only because I like I like their technology uh, execution skills. Uh, Google has sort of fallen uh, off the favored list because, you know, frankly, they, they stumbled on a few things. There's uh, they've tried things, as you and I talked about, like Google Glass and really re re reviled and made fun of for pushing the edge on that. Uh, you know, remember the in invectives about glass holes, people that would wear them and annoy people. Uh, yes. But but there's they've got really good engineers. And what they just did with BARD, you know, their AIs, pretty impressive. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like uh, I like Google, too. I've had a preference for Meta, but that's just because I thought the stock was more dislocated and you know, revenue would reaccelerate a little bit faster. And I did think Google got a little bit, um, I think Microsoft did a great job of kind of, uh, you know, pulling the rug a little bit out from Google. And then I think Google just with its IO conference last week, just pulled the rug right back. And it reminded people, by the way, that they've been, 
They've been building, making rugs, uh, you know, for longer than Microsoft has uh, an AI. And by the way, they developed their AI internally. They just didn't buy open AI. No, I, I don't think, I think people have been too polite or, or uh, somehow missed that basic point, which is yeah. Microsoft uh, is using open AI's technology. Microsoft has a stake in it. Google's Bard is uh, home built. doesn't mean it's better, but, you know, it says something about the difference between the two um, companies. Anyway, I, I like I like Google as a, as a stock. I just think there's more juice in stocks. I like Amazon and Meta, but Google, you know, the, uh, the there's no change in Google as the leading search engine. There's been so much debate about whether you put generative AI search results in there. Will that ruin the monetization for search? And I just, you're telling me that if you give people a better search result, a more <laughs> useful search result, that they can't monetize that? I think Google has shown yeah. that if you can figure out a way to get people to do more searches, just like there was this debate when we went from doing desktop searches to mobile searches. Yeah. And at the time, the investor debate was, well, if you shrink the size of the screen, I mean, how are you possibly going to make money off little search links in a mobile phone? Well, they did. Yeah. And, uh, and the really simple example I got from one of the Google executives back then, it was just a simple point, but he was dead right, which is that when you went from going from a, you know, a, the, your home phone to a mobile phone, did you, did it cannibalize your home phone usage? Yes. But did you end up doing more calls overall? Absolutely you did. Yeah. And the same yeah. thing happened with mobile search transition for Google. And I just think that what you're doing now is just creating more, you're getting, people are going to start using Google more and more. And by the way, 80% of searches on Google aren't monetized because they're, they're not commercial. And there's only like 5% of Google searches even have multiple paid ads against them. For all of those, you're not, nobody wants a contextual a, a generative um, AI response to the question of, you know, where can I buy uh, Washington Nationals, uh, you know, baseball tickets? Like, I don't need a paragraph on that. Just give me the darn link. Uh, the best one, by the way. Uh, and um, anyway, so I, I just, but I, I think there's, uh, I think you got another leg of growth for for Google for search. YouTube is an asset that they, I think they need to, they, 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 um, that that growth is really slowed down there for a variety of reasons. I think they're fixable, but that's something I, I watch out for. And then Google doesn't get much credit for Google Cloud. They probably shouldn't because I don't think they, they, they there's no real great evidence that they've been able, that they've been able to take share away from AWS or Azure. Yeah. Yeah, but sometimes you know when you're picking stocks, it's kind of like you want the names where they're not getting any credit for something that could happen, rather yeah. than they are getting full credit for something that they're doing. So right. uh, you know, there's a lot of different reasons why I like Google. The last thing I'll just make a point on Google is it always it's still there's something called a Silicon Valley discount. I just came up with this uh, idea a week or two ago when I was looking at Google and Meta both trade at like. 15, 16, 17, 18 times earnings. You look at Cisco, um, you look at Microsoft, you look at Salesforce.com, you look at NVIDIA, and then yeah. you look at major consumer brand franchises like Costco, like Walmart. I mean, they all, and Nike, uh, Procter & Gamble, they all trade at like 25 to 30 times earnings for earnings growth that isn't any greater than what you get out of the greatest, you know, the two of the greatest tech companies, Google and and uh, and Meta, and I think that's the Silicon Valley discount. It's investors essentially saying, "I just don't trust Google to really manage their cash well enough. I don't think they're going to be tight enough on expenses." Um, and so, if those companies can ever change that mentality and, and show that they can actually be very good, thoughtful corporate citizens, I mean, in terms of the balance sheet and right, returning right, shareholders' right, cash to right, shareholders. Right. There's a lot of upside. That's kind of like the big, and and I think Meta's starting to do this. I think Zuckerberg finally got the memo that huh. you, know, you can't just spend aggressively. You got to grow earnings 
consistently and people will pay you more if you do that. Yeah. It's okay. You can have your long-term bets, but you got to size them appropriately. 15 billion a year in losses for metaverse is too high. Make it 5 billion and that's okay. <laughs> Just like Google didn't spend 5 billion a year on autonomous vehicles. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so that's, I, I like both of those stocks. I do have a preference for meta over Google, but you know, uh, uh, Google as one of the best AI plays out there is absolutely a, a good idea. Well, you know, I, I like, the, the framing that you just described for what's happening in Silicon Valley and the tech in general. So, I mean, you live in the belly of the beast. I live in the belly of the regulatory beast uh, in DC area. And these two worlds are intersecting, as you know. But what's going on, what I'm, what I'm claiming in my broad thesis, which you're, you're, you're validating in your specific thesis, is I'm claiming that you know our affection with tech is because it was a new shiny thing. But everything's tech. I mean, the, it, the ubiquity, the ubiquity of how people use Facebook and, and Google and Amazon tells you that's no longer a new shiny thing. It's infused in everything that people do in day to day life. Just like electricity became, like uh, you know, pharmaceuticals became. It could go cars. There's all kinds of industries when they're new, the new bright shiny thing. Radios were new in the early 20s. Everybody had one. You get a whole radio industry. Once you get to maturity. It's not that the technology is fully baked, that there isn't more innovation possible and things added in. But once you get the maturity as a business, if you're running the business and an analyst look at that business, you begin to expect you to behave like a mature business in terms of cost discipline. And it's a bit like, you know, it could make the analogy of a kids. When your kids grow, yes. you, you forgive a lot of stuff when kids are enthusiastic and when they're little and when they're teenagers, but when they begin to become of age, you expect a little sobriety. Uh, enthusiasm, you still want that. I mean, God, God willing, we all keep that throughout our entire lives. You want that, but you expect some sobriety. So here, I think you're right. Facebook got spanked. So the question would be, another bellwether would, you start watching for some of these companies to bring in executives, you know, at senior levels that come out of orthogonal industries, which is beginning to happen. I mean, I think that uh, what, and this is not an endorsement necessarily, it's just an observation, but what Elon Musk did for this new hire for CEO of Twitter Okay, he didn't hire a tech person. He hired somebody out of a, a mature industry, which has been around the advertising business for a long time, 100 years, doing advertising. I mean, TV's a century old now, just about. I mean, technically, it's a century old. So uh, I think that's that's that will tell you where that industry is going. And then if you're right, and I think you are, I'm not kissing up to you, I think you're right, <laughs> that these businesses are adopting the kinds of discipline, disciplines large industries have to have in terms of how they manage their money, how they manage their employees. They can still be enthusiasts. They can still talk about the new bright, shiny things when they bring them out, new new products. But I think it feels like we're at the growth stage. And if I again, I like to pick historic analogies, as you know, uh, of the auto industry in the... Um, I'll, I'll say the late 20s and early 30s, when cars really began to have different model differentiation. They had all kinds of, but, but there's, it was already a huge industry. I mean, we're talking 30 years into an industry that was developing in the, by the time you get to the mid thirties, but the real takeoff for those businesses, the real growth uh, happened in the next 30 years. And, but they were already huge, uh, but they had to exercise more discipline. You know, uh, Ford changed as a business profoundly. I mean, a good example, again, the analogies are weak. Uh, you know, Henry Ford made, remember that famous line that people have used over history, that you could, there's there's only one color you can get in his car, it's black. There's only one model, yes. Model T. And that worked really well because everybody wanted his car. Then he had to be, 
get like all other businesses through all of history, is you mature, you, you offer what consumers want, you get price discipline, all of this silly excursions into owning plantations in the rubber plantation. I mean, he tried to do all kinds of goofy stuff, just like modern tech giants. And then he got disciplined and made a great company. Um, I think you're right. I think I think that's the pivot. And if you're a stock investor, I, again, you're obviously right. You pick who's who's a player who's out of fashion. They're high quality, they're out of fashion. Uh, I, I like that thesis, uh, I, but I think tech is out of fashion right now in general. Yes, it is. So just before we, we started talking, I looked at, and actually relates to what, what you just said, and I was expatiating about it. If I looked at the NASDAQ for the last, for year to date, it's, uh, you know, it's up 20%, which beat the S&P year to date. Yeah, it's up plus than 10%, I think it's 8%. So tech has done pretty good this year in a, in a, in, in a bad market. Or if you do the one year, you know, NASDAQ was, it's not impressive if you do year on year. It's like up 6%, but it's still double what S&P did. And if I do this, the five-year, so because I I guess I'm my brain is sort of locked on one to five-year timelines because I'm, I'm not a day trader. NASDAQ still beat the S&P, right? If the five years up like 66%, 65, S&P is up like 50, five years. So you, if you do that kind of thing, you think about the companies in that, like Facebook, because I know that's, you're out of favor pick. I mean, this year it's up 90%. I mean, clearly somebody's listening to you because you're a market mover. I mean, this year you 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 identified Facebook as a great company that's getting cost discipline. Obviously, the market believes that because look where it's it's gone up. Now, over the longer term, if you do the um uh if you do do the five-year, you know, it's it's not as good as the SP. It's only up 30%, right? I had five year on Facebook, you didn't lose money if you bought it five years ago. But, but you you would have been better off buying an S and P index five years ago. You were twice as good. But that's not you know that's 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 a good example, the obvious example of the past not telling you much about the future because here you are with a company that's got scale, and they've now got discipline. And I'll tell you, I, I have a different view of their meta bet. Maybe it's the same as yours. I think they, I think the big mistake they made was not just the amount of money they put into it, but the but making making it appear like it's the, the renaming of the co- company and renaming the country the company. Yes. Huge yes. mistake. When I did it, I thought it was, I was on record saying huge mistake. I'm super bullish on the implications of VR and AR for consumer experiences, for research, for clinicians. It's a really big deal. And Facebook really understands how big a deal it is for a user experience. And they've got very smart engineers, but it's, it's like, um, I don't know, and this is a bad analogy. It's like inventing automatic transmission in the early automobile age to make cars easier for people to use it on like stick shifts. Uh, it was it's a very important feature that made cars easier to use, and it added as a nice feature. Or maybe a, a better example: cars used to all be open when they finally enclosed cars and they weren't closed car- open carriages like horses and buggies. That was a big deal. This is it's a big deal, but what a huge mistake to rename the company. And, and and act like everything is going to go in the metaverse. No, it's not. What, they had to know better. I mean, what, I, I mean, I just that, was, that to me that was a head scratcher. And 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 the market right. spanked them for it. And and maybe they maybe they're chagrined, and they're going to quietly, and I think they will quietly now, uh, keep pursuing the implications of AR and VR. 
No, you're right, Mark. I I, uh, I was a, originally a fanboy of the Metaboo, and uh, I think that was a mistake on my part. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. If you, make, if you don't make mistakes, you're not trying. So um, uh, we all make those. Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I think that. Look, I think they should be investing. Like you, you want to be investing in moonshots. If you're yep. a large tech platform, you're not investing in moonshots. That's eBay. That's yep. AOL. So you want to be investing in these moonshots. You just gotta you gotta size the investment, you know, yeah. appropriately. I mean, I don't know how much Google has plowed into autonomous vehicles and Waymo over the yeah. years. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I'm sure if we added up, it'd be some shocking number, like twenty, thirty billion dollars, for which they have, you know, nothing commercially to show for it. Yeah. I mean, how many, how many? You don't see that too often, but but they get a pass on it in part because of the size of uh, Alphabet. Because they've got this cash cow called search, yeah. so that they get a pass, they get a pass for it on that basis. On the fact that they've got a bit of a track record of you know being highly innovative, and on the fact that everybody kind of buys the dream. They don't know when exactly the the dream will will come, but you know the the idea of autonomous vehicles is kind of You're, one. Uh, no, it's that, it's tantalizing. Imagine though if Google renamed itself Waymo at the time. They- <laughs> yes, yes, good. That's a great. That's a great point. And investors probably would have liked that initially, like I did, and then later on regretted it, and the company would have regretted it. So I just wonder about that with Zuckerberg. I'm just sort of hoping that he's, another way you phrased it earlier, people becoming more sober, just acting their age. And I'm sort of hoping that <laughs> that that Zuckerberg is enough of a learning animal, a mature learning animal. He does strike me as, as a relatively thoughtful, you know, detached person. I mean that in kind of a positive way. Um, yeah. Uh, it doesn't strike me as an overly emotional uh, person, which I think is one of the reasons why people have had a hard time um, uh, uh, empathizing. Warming, uh, up, warming up to him, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, you know, he's know. very typical Silicon Valley. Um, no, he's, he's, he's everybody's uh, tech guy they, they love to hate. I mean, this is sort of, yes, it's, it's the yes. go-to if you want to do a, a stereotype. Yeah, but, you know, like in, investing in the metaverse, I think is a great idea. And by the way, yeah. we're going to get, we're going to get very soon, the open question I have is, so Apple is, it looks like it's very close to announcing their own that, AR, that, VR That's headset. what I was about to ask you. Is Apple, Apple, yeah. that's the rumor, right? They're going to do yep. glasses, AR, VR. They're and so what AR. does that mean? What does that mean for Meta? And I actually think it's probably bullish for Meta. And I, you know, like the first reaction is, well, this is going to, they're going to crush Oculus. And Apple's very good at, as a device company, as we all know, yep. Yep. they're not perfect at it. So it's possible that they don't just take all the market share back from Oculus. But the second point is Oculus is really, we haven't seen, uh, AR, VR needs something, somebody to come in and really blow up the market in a positive way, blow it out, really create like the, 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 make it a really a must have device and an experience. And Apple's pretty good. Like somebody needs to help uh, Oculus create the market. Oculus can't do it on its own. And if Apple helps expand that AR VR market, I actually think that's a positive, more of a positive than a negative for Meta. I I, I think you're right. I think first, uh, Oculus was, it's a nice tool, but it it would, in my mind, Oculus was closer, and I don't use car analogy because car analogies get people out out of their infatuation with silicon. Uh, if if people ever looked up the uh, the very first electric uh, sorry the first cars of any kind, uh, you think things like derail wagons, uh, which look like uh, a horse and buggy with an engine without the horse. That's what they looked like. They're clunky. Uh, yet you know there were hundreds of companies making them, selling thousands and thousands of them. There was actually a market for really clunky, crappy things that were called cars. 
for 10 years. Uh, and then along came the Model T. So the question is in, in the VR world, is the, is, is the Oculus the, the Durea wagon? And is the Apple gonna be the Model T that opens up markets? Somebody will build one that other people will create a use case for. At your point, what hasn't happened other than in specialty areas of research and medicine, there's been no general public use case that's activated and animated people. I, it'll happen. I'm not sure what company will do it, and they may use the Apple tool. We'll see. Because uh, I was going to ask you about Apple. I'm fast. Apple's so Apple's always been a favorite as a stock pick for me because they execute so well. Generally speaking, they make excellent products. They understand the c- consumer experience. Are sort of monomaniacal about that. But the the report I read, and I think that this analyst got it wrong said that it's puzzling that Apple would make a device, the rumor is, that has its own battery, right? That has to have its own battery pack uh, with the glasses. And uh, that's, that's the claim, is it, it doesn't run slave off the battery of your phone you have to, or your computer, you, it has to have a battery in it. And I read that, I said, okay, this is kind of goofy. I mean, AirPods have their own battery. It's a very successful product. Uh, the Apple yeah. Watch has its own battery. It's a very successful product. I mean, nobody thought the Apple Watch would be worth anything, but there's more Apple watches sold than all the Swiss Swiss watches combined. I mean, they actually have a bigger dollar market share in watches than the Swiss watch industry, which is shocking. They don't have the bigger dollar in, you know, they create a new category and it worked. Uh, And it's not everybody wears an Apple watch, but it's a pretty interesting, you know, um, tangential expansion. So I don't know. I'm, I'm really interested in that. I don't know that if that makes Apple therefore a more interesting pick now, I suspect that you're right. It probably shines on other people. You know, the, if it works and people get excited about VR again, then you'll be looking for, well, who benefits from VR? I mean, who, who, who's going to benefit from that user experience? And I'm sure you'll be able to use your Apple uh, device on your Facebook platform. I can't imagine that would be impossible. They're not that crazy. They used to be. Who knows? Yeah. Or do you think do you think they're that crazy that they'll they'll, they'll silo it? I, I I don't know. I I think you'd probably I would start off with the assumption that they're siloed, um, and then and then somehow a commercial agreement gets struck. Yeah. But I, but no. that's you're taking me out of my my field a little bit. Anyway. Well, let's let's finish on your on on your uh, on your field because we'll come back to where we started about this the state of the, the state of the world we live in, and we we're not we're not going to go full sociological, but. Uh, you know, a lot of people are unhappy with Facebook because of the uh, uh, animus towards social media and its negative impacts. You know, I've, I've I've said and others have said it's not a new insight. Um, you know, I go back to my car analogy. The invention of the car is also the invention of the car accident. Yes, thank you. Okay, social media has been incredibly beneficial to many people, not just exciting and fun, but it's had a lot of benefits, uh, unequivocally the case. But it has downsizes with downsides what's misused abused whether it's the political sphere or what children do and i'm you know as a parent grandparent very worried about abuse of any technology especially in this i'm i'm cautiously optimistic that gets sorted out uh but i'm uh, i'm interested in your view about that intersection between the the negatives that are in the news now most more than the positives if, if how does that you think that sorts out and how do you see that as it impacts, obviously, because if Facebook is an undervalued stock, it's sort of the, with TikTok and the others, it's at, it's at the leading edge of the social media platforms that people choose to be least happy about. 
on the social and political sphere? Well, there's there's so much in there, Mark. I don't think we'll be able to cover it all. Um, I'll just make a, a one minute a comment on it, which is I, I, th- that Wall Street Journal expose on Facebook that just took the stock down, uh, and the and this this internal study that they referenced and they got a copy of that showed that Facebook knew that its um, right, right. service had a negative impact on teenage, particularly teenage girls, in terms of the self image. Really, just added to this this dramatic sell off and. Facebook stock. And I guess, you know, I want to be fully respectful of the work that the Wall Street Journal did and other people did too. But I just thought that your basic point earlier was an extremely important one to keep in mind. Car accidents, you know, cars, people die with in in cars Um, and people use the telephone in terrible ways. Um, And, uh, you know, an email too, and, and a bunch of other things. I think there's so many positive benefits to social media, the ability to keep in touch with, you know, friends and families you choose to, uh, and if you want to find, you know, negative commentary, negative content on Facebook, you can find it out out there. I guess I'd ask you, why are you looking for that? You know, like <laughs> you can use it for what you want. If you want to, you know, if you want to dial some bad numbers, you know, I know there are 800 numbers that you can get you in trouble. But why are you doing that? Um, and instead, I just think that there's a lot of really good redeeming features to to social media. And then when it comes to kids, OK, that's a different matter. I do think that, you know, uh, the this, this social media uh, give um, uh, uh, have a negative impact on um, some teenagers' self image. I'm sure it does. So does most media, by the way. Yeah. I think if you turn on CNN, Fox, or whatever TV you network you you want. I don't think I think you see a lot of beautiful people on there. You know, as the as the 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 anchors. So I I just and I by the way I thought it was actually very healthy that Facebook was actually running internal surveys to study their impact of, of their <laughs> I know, usage on yeah. teenagers. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, do traditional media companies do that? So. I want to give them a little bit more credit for all this. And by the way, that one slide, it caught so much attention. It actually showed that a higher percentage of teenage girls actually had a positive experience with uh, with social media than a negative experience. But I just think that you know, when it comes to kids, it's always a bit should always be about the parents and the parents have to regulate their usage of kids uh, time on on social media and on all media, by the way. And I always think about it with my kids, you know, the 10 kids that Tammy and I have, like if they weren't on social media, what would they be on? And if they're watching the television, I'm not sure that's any better. It may even be worse. Yeah. And it behooves us as parents to make sure that, you know, we, we kind of direct them, we give them the right, um, uh, we give them the right, uh, you know, uh, frameworks that we set the right examples. We don't get distracted by the distraction machines and we use them, you know, constructively to keep in, friend, in touch with friends and family and to entertain ourselves and that our kids learn from that. So anyway, that's my, that's my take on it. I just thought we went overboard. We just went way yeah. overboard on the negative implications of social media and forgot about the positive uses of the, the positive use cases. Well, you know, this is, this is why I like you because you, you like me, even when the glass is only a, quarter full, you know that the glass can still be filled more. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, I, I'm called, I was called the last optimist by a, a mutual friend, Steve Forbes. And we, when he introduced my book and, and, and he, it was the kickoff event, and that's how he, he ended the introduction. So I'm going to have Mark come out because, you, know, you know, he has an optimistic take on the world. He's probably the last optimist. So I, I said, that's great. I'm going to, I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to call it the damn last <laughs> optimist, but I, yeah, I, look, you and I are on the same page, and it's a, it's a good note to end on in this sense that, you know, th- there's a lot in life that matters about being parents, and, and people forget about their, their their role and try to assign all the blame or all the or all the responsibility external to their family, and, and and I mean these are obvious and trite lessons, but they're 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 trite because they're obvious and they're true. They they have truth. And 
this is, um, I, I am convinced that our children live at the most exciting time it's possible to be alive because of where, what the opportunities are. I'm equally convinced that it matters. The cultural and social features matter. People, you know, economies can be destroyed, not by technology, but by by culture, by the, the social structures. And so those things, those things matter, which is partly why, partly why I'm determined, even in the face of pessimism, to be an optimist, because I keep quoting my favorite economist, who in, as an economist said, most economists do not, and this was the first line of his last book, do not acknowledge the extent to which what people believe determines the economic growth of the future. And, and he wasn't talking about naive belief. It was that their confidence in raising children, doing their work, their enthusiasm, everything's about guessing the future. By definition, if you don't face it with sort of personal responsibility and optimism, you know, things go in the other direction. Anyway, you're, you and I share that philosophically, which is nice. I think if, you know, our listeners are, uh, they can find, they can find out how you think about investing, obviously, because they can use the magic Google search machine. And I will say again, they should read your book because I like the, the, uh, you've got great endorsements, but I like the framing and the, and the, and the, the clear synthesis. Thank you, Mark. It really is good. I mean, thank it's you, hard Mark. to do. It really is. So thank well, you. I enjoyed being, enjoyed being on your podcast. Thank you, Mark. You're uh, you, we'll have to do it again so we can be optimistic again together. Yes. <laughs> All right. Take care. We'll see you, Mark. We'll see you. Thank you. And that's it for this two-part episode. As always, I'm reminding you that if you're enjoying that podcast, please spend a few minutes, give us a rating, uh, not just favorable, but effusive, of course. <laughs> and don't forget, I'm happy to take questions to frame a future episode to answer the inbound queries and objections. So once again, until next time, this is Mark Mills signing off for this episode of The Last Optimist. <laughs>